That was good, Corey. Thanks. How is everybody this morning? Ooh, it's good worship. I just didn't know if I was going to be able to speak. I was so called up in the Lord um, this morning. You know, it's just this morning I got up and I just started declaring and decreeing, He's alive. He's alive. You know, and what that means to me is that because He's alive, I'm alive. Isn't that great? Because He is living His life through me. And it's just really exciting to know that that's really what is happening in our life so that we have a risen Savior. He's in our hearts today. Isn't that great? And I've seen all the hymns like Up From the Grave He Arose, all those old hymns I sang as a child that really they just go into you, that resurrection power that's living through us and just so good. But um, it was funny. Um, I I had to get up and go to the bathroom, and I thought, gosh, should I wait? Because... I'm running out of time, and I was just laughing because I got, and I felt like the Lord said, go. So I get back there, and I look in the mirror, and I have black all under my eyes. So I'm like, well, I would have never known because Sally and I think nobody tells you when you have black under your eyes (laughs) after the service. So would y'all start telling us (laughs) that we have black under our eyes so we won't, because really it's the truth. I can go home every Sunday And I have black under my eyes, and I think, why didn't anybody tell me this? (laughs) I guess it took the Lord to to say, hey, go. So it's good. (laughs) It's really good. Well, I just want to talk to you this morning um, about a subject that the Lord has really been speaking to me about, um, and the subject is mercy. And I'm usually, as you know, a grace person, and um, the Lord has really uh, transformed my life through the message of grace of his unmerited favor that is unearned. You don't, it's just his love and his favor that comes on you that has nothing to do with you. But recently the Lord has been speaking to me about his mercy and it all began uh, shortly after, if some of you are new here, you, pro- you don't know, but back in November I broke my shoulder, fell on a hoverboard. And um, it was not fun at all. It was the worst pain I've ever been in. And, you know, spent a few weeks kind of laid up, you know, spending time with God and he, began to speak some things to me during that season. But one was I, I in the middle, uh, had a dream where I saw a little piece of paper that said the book of Joel, just written on it. And so I've really been looking into the book of Joel, and this mercy subject kind of arose for me because in the book of Joel, the locusts have been plaguing uh, Israel. You know, they're being really pretty much in a time of judgment. The locusts are coming, but... It begins to say that, you know, Joel begins to say, maybe he will relent and have mercy. And, and that just really, and at the time there was a song that came out that says he delights in having mercy. So it's kind of how I've been getting there. I've been really feeling like the Lord is speaking on mercy. And um, Byron kind of pulled up some of his notes for me. And this is a really good verse, Psalm eighty-nine, fourteen, that says... Um, Righteousness and justice, I don't know if it's going to come up, are the found, maybe I don't have it, but are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. I didn't have it, I'm sorry. Um, so one thing that we really see is that mercy prepares the way and is the foundation for everything that God does. And so I'm really starting to sense that there's a, a, a mercy that God is get, he's beginning to pour out because he's getting ready to do a new thing. And, um, who, and I feel like this, who knows, maybe he will relent 
and have mercy on our nation even. Okay, that's the way I feel. So that's what I'm crying out for because, you know, in the Old Testament, the Old Testament speaks of mercy four times as much as the New Testament. And I believe they knew him to be a God of mercy. They always were calling on the mercy of God. And so that's really where I am right now is just really calling on that mercy. And, um, and, I, and just in studying it and realizing that his mercy is actually part of his covenant nature to us. It's always his, his love being demonstrated to us because it's a part of his very covenant heart to his people to have mercy upon us. And mercy is really his compassionate love for his creation that leads him to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. That's really what's happening to us. And so in my time of having a... Uh, being, I, I feel like it's been almost a time of being crushed because here I am. I can't, I, I thought I was going to be in a sling for four weeks and no big deal. We get over this. I was on Percocet the first two weeks, felt like no big deal, you know. <laughs> and I got off the Percocet, I thought, oh, this is a little bigger deal than I thought. And, um, and then, you know, I just thought I would just go right back. But little did I know that this could be up to a year of a process, so everything in my life has been touched by this, and I've really been seeing that I need the mercy of God. I've, I've come to a place where I've understood grace, but now I'm saying, oh, I need mercy. I need for God to do for me what I am not able to do for myself, and um, so that is, and you know, and, it call, and another thing that his mercy is God's love. It's, it's actually the way he acts out his love to us and his compassion, his loving kindness, it comes through mercy. That's the way he demonstrates his love to us. While we were yet sinners, God died for us. He came while we were yet. He was demonstrating his mercy toward us on the cross. And First uh, Peter uh, 1.3 says, Praise be to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. And so we really see that it really even what happened through the resurrection, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, it really all came through mercy. And um, I, I love that. So we're really celebrating God's mercy today. We're celebrating a God that comes and does for us in moments where we're absolutely shattered and broken and failures and does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And make no bones about it, every one of us come to these places in our life, whether through sin and struggles and failures or through heartaches. I don't care what, through financial difficulties, we all will come to this place where we will begin to cry out for mercy because we realize there are things that we cannot do that only God can do for us. And I have been in that season. I mean, it t I couldn't cook. I couldn't drive. I could barely sleep. 
I couldn't hold my grandchildren. I couldn't play guitar. I couldn't lift my hand to worship the Lord like I always had. It seemed like everything about me had been affected. And I just, and it, it has continued in so many ways, but really... God always uses things in our life if, if we will allow him to bring us to a place where we see our great need for him and our great need for mercy. And when we cry out for mercy, I believe there is great power attached to that. And, uh, 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 blind Barcamaeus, he cried out for mercy when he wanted to be healed. And it caused Jesus to stop in his track and pay attention to him. But he said, what did I hear? Someone crying out for mercy? He stopped and he healed this man. So I'm here today to tell you that the gospel really is about our need for mercy. And a God who has such a covenant nature that he will always respond when we cry out for mercy. Lord, have mercy on me for I am a sinner. I need you. I cannot have freedom from sin apart from your great mercy. God, I need you. I'm a failure. I cannot succeed without your great mercy in my life. Doing for me what I cannot do for myself. But the great thing about it is God in his covenant nature, that's how he displays his love for us because it's deli he delights in showing mercy. As Micah 7, 18 says this, Who is a God like you who pardons sin, forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. Our God, not only, he delights in showing mercy. It's part of his nature to want to show us how much he loves us by delighting to come to us in our weakness, in our frailest moments, when we're sick, when we're dying, when we're failing, when we're in sin. He delights to come to us in that moment and give us mercy because this is the way he demonstrates his loving kindness to us. It's the driving force. This is good. This is Tozier says this. He says it's the driving force that causes him to seek after a relationship with us. And mercy and covenant love are intricately related. So here's what I want us to see. I want to, let me read this scripture too before I go on. Hosea 2, 19. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. And so here's what I feel. This is Hosea speaking where he's just been told by the Lord to go marry a prostitute. And so that he can demonstrate his love to Israel. Wow. So because here's really what he's saying. It's in my mercy. We are vessels of mercy. Okay, we... That's what the scripture says. We're actually objects of mercy. And I believe in that moment what God was really wanting to do was to s demonstrate 
to Israel, which is us too, that in our lowest, terrible, most weakest moments, he has, he's come to us in mercy. We've been betrothed to him even in mercy. Because he wants to say to us this. This is really what I believe the Lord is saying right now. That he wants us to understand that we are actually objects of mercy, vessels. And we are recipients of that. We live our life based on something God does for us. Not what we can do for God. He was demonstrating that in this with the prostitute, Gomer. Go marry this prostitute so I can just tell you how I really feel about you. That you, I'm equating you to a prostitute, Israel. But I'm saying this to you that I've betrothed you to me in mercy. Because of mercy, because of my covenant relationship, I want you to understand something about my love for you as a lover, as your Savior, that you are objects of my love and mercy. You are recipients of it. You are not earners of it. That's really where he came to tell us. That we have a God that loved us so much that he gave the most precious thing that he had to give so that we could understand that we've been given, that we're objects. We're no longer objects and vessels of wrath. His wrath no longer sits on us, but we are objects of mercy. Mercy demonstrating that we are recipients. We're, we're here to receive something. It's, we have it so opposite in, in our minds so much. We think we've got to do and run and work and make him. And we've got to please him. And, but really, it's so backwards when we understand that we are recipients of a mercy, of a God that is covenanted with us to give us his mercy so that we can know that we are in his divine favor because of what he's done. And, um, you know, this is really good because Zacharias, when he was, this is John the Baptist's father, when he, you know, he couldn't speak and began to speak. This is what he said about this covenant nature. It's Luke 1, 70 through 72. He's talking about this here. This is as he promised by the mouth of his holy prophets that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Listen to this. To perform the mercy, there it is, promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. So it's really by his, we have a covenant with the Lord. It's mercy. Isn't that great? And that, that's really why he acts favorably, favorably toward us. That's really why he is merciful to us. It's all a part of his covenant nature that he's promised and that we're living in a new covenant now. We, we not only, we, we live by a brand new covenant. It's really exciting. One of the definitions I love about mer uh, mercy is loyal love. How do you like that one? It's his loyal love toward us. He has such a fierce loyalty to toward us. And, I, and I'm excited about that because here's, this is, I want to give you this scripture about being the recipients about something. 
It's Romans 5, 17. I want y'all to get excited this morning about mercy. Because this mercy is going to take us somewhere. I'm going to tell you where it's going to take us in a minute. So I think it's exciting. I really do. I, I really, what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to get a hold of is getting this religious mind out of me that says I've got to work for God in order to be pleasing to Him. That I continually battle. I think every one of us do. It happened with the fall of man. Continually trying to get back to the garden where God just loved on us and we just loved on Him. But somehow in that fall, we got it in our brains. We got to do something to make Him love us. To be objects of mercy. To be objects of grace. And so it's a continual thing to always go back to God is the one who instigated a relationship with us. He's the instigator of this. So when we learn that we can just, when we become recipients, it is the thing that actually will cause the water of his spirit inside of us to begin to function so that we're functioning from the right place out of something we received instead of trying to get to something. Does that make sense to you? And that's why mercy is so important to realize. And we are recipient. This is so good. This is Romans 5.17. For if by one man's offense death reigned through one, that's Adam, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Do you see that? What does that say? Did it say a gift? You get that? Righteousness is a gift. It is not something we can obtain apart from mercy. Because what happened on the cross? His mercy poured out from us. The greatest flood gate of mercy on that cross poured out on the earth and now we are recipients of a gift of righteousness, a gift of mercy that is based on a God coming and doing for me what I cannot do for myself. I just love this. We, you know, the religious mind is always trying to deserve something. We just want to deserve it somehow. It's really the way we're, our flesh pattern, we just want to, you know, if we do this, we get that. Oh, I deserve that now. Oh, I, I gave that much money. Now look, I deserve that. Not true. Given's a mercy. Given's a grace. It all is a grace because apart from him, we can do nothing. So, but I love this. We're recipients, not deservers. It's true. We're recipients, not deservers. So I want you to take that right now. I want you to say, God, I receive the gift of righteousness. It's not by my works. It's not by my efforts. It's by your mercy, by your grace, by what you did for me on the cross. I receive today the gift of righteousness. 
And it's for your namesake, Lord, because you get the glory. Thank you, Lord. It's good, good. Mm. You know, I love this statement. It says, did you know the only time in history that God was not fair? Okay, he dealt unfairly was on the cross. God was merciless on the innocent Christ while pouring out his mercy on those who are guilty. Isn't that something? The only time. It's, I just, we just have a, a God that's beyond what we can believe, honestly. His, to believe that he created us for his pleasure. That's what the scripture says. So that when he looks at us, He's looking at these objects that he wants to pour his mercy into, that we're objects of, and vessels of mercy. He looks at us because of covenant love. He pours it out because he, he delights in showing mercy. He delights in doing for us what we can't do for ourselves. And so when we come to these really weak places, okay, that, okay, y'all, let's get real. Y'all want to get real? For a minute. Let's take the mask off. We all feel like we blow it a lot. Is that true? Don't measure up. We really do. We go everyone in one way or another. There is it's just what I said. There's going to come a time where all of us are going to come to that moment where we go, I need some mercy. Because I'm, I'm failing here. But you know what David said? He always trusted in God's unfailing mercy. And I believe a church that understands mercy, when we don't understand mercy, we ain't, we're not worth a hoot to the world out there. Because if we don't understand that we're actually just a vessel of mercy, that's really all we are. Let me give you this scripture. Okay, Ephesians, Ephesians 2, 1 through 6. This is why it's so important to realize that we're vessels of mercy is because there's a world out there that's dying, and they're sick, and they're afraid, they're in pain, they're broken, they're crushed, because they don't have a savior. They don't have a mercy seat they can run to. And we're the ones, if, we don't, if the church doesn't understand that we need mercy, that we're saved by the mercy of God, how can we ever be the light that they need? If we're just overconfident religious people that go around and just tell them, give them our religious phrases instead of really understanding how broken we really are, really, apart from the grace and mercy of God, how can we ever effectively evangelize a world out there that God's heart is breaking over because of his covenant nature, his love, his loyal love that he's breaking for the world out there, but the church is running around in religion giving them a bunch of dry bones. Because we don't really realize our own great need of who we are, that we ourselves are just vessels of mercy. Ephesians 1 through 6, and he made 
made alive who was dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the, of the power of the air, the spirit now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as they are but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love his intense loyal love which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses made us alive together with Christ and this by grace you have been saved and raised up together and made us to sit in the heavenly realm so here's what I want to say to you, what I'm feeling right now. I believe that the church is really still stuck in a lot of religion. I believe we are. It's, we fool ourselves, us charismatics. We think we have this great thing going, okay? Or spirit, whatever you want to call it. We, we never know what to call ourselves. We're kind of <laughs> something. But I will want to say this. When you know mercy yourself, it's really a lot easier to see through the eyes of Christ, his merciful heart. Because re religion's really binding. It blinds us. See, the Pharisees were blinded by religion. They were blinded by being deservers. Really. They didn't understand being recipients of something. So when we understand our need... And where we came from ourselves. It's like the woman who poured out for Christ. She knew where she'd come from. So it was really easy for her to pour out all that ointment on him, wipe her, her tears on his feet, because she knew she had been forgiven much. And so I believe as the church comes in, I believe what I started with, there is God's getting ready to reveal mercy. We've understood grace, but now it's mercy. Now it's mercy because there's a world out there that needs mercy. And I'm asking the Lord to help us really understand mercy because I really feel like there is a wall of evangelism being held back because of our religion. Because all we do is give pat answers. We just give these answers that really, I think the only thing that's going to work right now is mercy. I'm, I'm honest with you. We're living in a nation that has heard it all. And I believe when we can really, the religious blindness you know, Jesus, here's, let me give you this scripture here. Mm. Woo. Get to the right one. The Pharisees were blinded because they couldn't see Jesus was eating. I don't, I, I don't want to find that scripture right now, but y'all know the story. He's going after tax collectors, and the Amplified called notorious sinners. 
notorious. And he's eating and drinking with them. He's healing on the Sabbath day, which is totally forbidden. And here are the religious leaders who all they can see is he's just breaking the rules. That's all they can see. And so I believe that's where the church is really trapped. When we look at the world, all we can see, well, they're just breaking the rules. They're just breaking the rules. You know, I'm, I'm, I just feel sorry for y'all. Y'all are just breaking the rules now. And so we walk around blinded with really out a heart for the lost. And I believe God's sending forth mercy now. He does that to proceed because I believe there is a tide of evangelism about to come in. And we're going to see a great harvest. And I believe it's going to come through a revelation of mercy. A revelation of mercy. We're going to stop all the religious chatter. Okay? And we're going to start using the language of mercy. Because we're going to understand where we've come from. We should understand where we've come from. That spirit of truth that is the Holy Spirit absolutely will bring us to the place where we understand where we came from. And if it's you know, for through one way or another, God will get to us that way. And the one thing that has happened to me, um, and I just want to say this about the world. I mean, I'm really trying to get y'all. I've got, usually I've, of course, too many notes, as Byron says. So I'm really just trying to get to my heart for things for y'all, okay, today. And what the Lord's been doing is this, okay, is the church, I believe, is the elder brother, okay? We don't understand. We're living in the house, and we don't understand what God has for us, that we're recipients of something. We already have it. It's based on what we receive. Isn't that great? Instead of us just chasing him down all the time, we don't realize he's chasing us down. And when we stop and let him catch us in his mercy, our whole mind will shift. There will be a shift away from trying to please him and being a deserver to, oh, I've received something that is so wonderful. And this is the basis of a relationship with him. And so the church is stuck in that elder brother syndrome while... The world is out there so lost, you know, so, so lost. And it's time. It's time for them to come in. And I believe we're going to get it. We're going to see this great shift. We're going to get out of our religious mind. And I think the world, they're going to start coming as we begin to just pour out that love of the Father. That, uh, that's another thing I feel like is coming. I know this church is really steeped in identity and love of the Father. If you don't know us, that's just really who we are. And we love to really just give away the love of the Father, to really help people come into a baptism of identity just like Christ did when he was um, baptized. That, that dove came on his shoulder and he was baptized in the love and the acceptance of the Father. And we're steeped in that here, but I'm here to tell you we've got this much. There is so much more, 
And I, oh, it's going to be so good to be able to give that away, isn't it? As they come to really bring the world into the home of the heart of our Father through His great mercy. Isn't that awesome? It's just, I, I feel so excited about this. It's coming. In fact, here's what's on the horizon. The harvesters of the harvesters. They're coming in. The harvest of the harvesters. And I believe it's going to be those coming in who understand mercy. And so because they understand mercy, there is, they're going to begin harvesting, harvesting, harvesting those people out in the world that are broken and away from the home of their father. Because you know what it is to receive something. You were broken. You didn't have it together. You were an addict. You were a failure. You couldn't get out of your sin. You were a mess. You were just shattered, broken, crushed. And you realized one day, oh, the covenant nature of my God is the very thing that drives him after me to come out. He's betrothed me by mercy, by his grace. I've received. It's just something I receive. It's a gift. It's a gift of righteousness. I can't earn this thing. It's something I've received. The cross is the greatest act of mercy. The greatest act of mercy we will ever see, ever see. And um, I, I just, you know, I just think about, this is what I was visioning this morning as we sang about the cross. I just was, felt like I was at the foot of the cross. And I felt the blood dropping on me. And when it would drop... It just felt like mercy drops. It just felt like these mercy drops were falling on me. And I just was so grateful because I was standing at the foot of the cross, broken, realizing my own need for him, that I need, I need his mercy in my life. And the world needs mercy. And I have an awakening in me right now for evangelism that I've not had in years that I'm really excited about because I feel like I have a new plan. I feel like there's something working in me. It's like I can now look at people. It's like it, the religion getting broken off my eyes. And I can look at people now and say, you know what? They need to come to him because they need to know he's a mercy. They need to know their daddy. It's not because I'm going through some regiment, the plan of salvation and all that stuff. It's like a deep thing of knowing that he, his heart is broken for the lost. It's broken for them out there. He wants to draw them in with his great, and this floodgate of mercy opened on the day that he hung on that cross. And this is the other thing. You know, we love his presence so much here. We've learned to love his presence because we know what he does for us, but they don't know that. They don't know about his presence. They don't know that the really the real reason he died was the first that when he he went in, that veil was rent from top to bottom, and he went into that holy place where only the priest could go once every year, and he went in where that mercy seat sat, and that now that 
that veil has been slung wide open for anyone. As Joel says, the book of Joel, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved because now we have open access to that mercy seat. We can go in any moment and get mercy for any situation we need. Just like blind Barcamaeus, he said, oh, have mercy on me and it will stop the heart of our father in his tracks. And as we look at the world and we instead of judge them and saying, well, you're breaking the rules. We're going to look at them and say, oh, God, have mercy. Oh, God, have mercy. And one thing, I share this with y'all, but I had, there's a lot of addictions in my side of the family, um, lots. And I get so aggravated, gosh, and they steal from you. You can't trust them. You can't leave your pocketbook laying around. They steal the air conditioners out of your windows and... <laughs> You know, I'm serious. I am being serious, okay? I mean, when I go around my family, I'm in semi-drug semi culture there. And you know, a few years back, the Lord revealed grace to me. Totally shifted my relationship with my family. I don't go preach there. I don't do I just go hang out because I love my family. Drugs, not drugs, whatever. I love them. And I'm just, I'm just family. But recently, with all the, you know, we've got people, I've got nieces and nephews sitting in prison right now for manufacturing meth. I mean, there's a lot of problems. And I've, I've just been aggravated. That's been my attitude. I'm just aggravated. Stealing from my mama, getting her check. I'm just mad. But, you know, the Lord's done something to me from my shoulder being crushed. Because there was a lot of things I couldn't do for myself. And I think that's really what he's saying. See through my eyes. They're addicted. They can't do it for themselves. They need mercy. They need to go to the mercy seat. They need to run to the mercy seat. And his great covenant love is there for them just like it is for me. You know, and I'm not there. I want my heart, I really want my heart thawed out. Stand up. Do you want your heart thawed out? We get some music. I think I'm just going to. Father, we just come to you this morning. Lord, we're asking you. Lord, just, I, I gave away my little bit of revelation, Lord, but you're the author of mercy. And I'm asking you this morning, Lord, to reveal it to us all. Let us really get it. Lord, break the religion off of us. Break it off, God. Lord, we want out. We want out of these prison walls we're in, Lord. We want out. Lord, we want to see through the eyes of mercy, through the eyes of grace. Lord, we want to see your kingdom come and your will be done. Lord, here just like it's being done in heaven. Lord, we want to see 
that, har that harvest, Lord, of the broken and the crushed. Come in, Lord. We call them in. We call them in, Lord God. We just say, let the tide of evangelism that is being held back by religion break now. Let it break. Let that crack in that wall now happen and it break. And that great tide of mercy that actually was unleashed on the day that you died, Lord God. It would now unleash on the world around us, God. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, just stand there a minute. Just stand there a minute. Let the Lord just come in. Lord, just come in now. Come in, Lord. Break the religious mind off of us. Lord, we're asking you for the tide to turn. There'd be a shift in this atmosphere today, God. We begin to see the way you see through the eyes of mercy. Lord, that we're here only because we've received something. We didn't choose to be here. You chose us. You chose me. You chose me, God. I didn't do this. You did it, Lord. I am a recipient. I am not a deserver. I'm a recipient of something. I'm a recipient. I'm an object of a vessel of mercy, God. So, Lord, right now, just lift up our hand and let's just ask the Lord, come, help us. Lord, we want mercy. We want to just, Lord, we want to delight in showing mercy. Lord, we want, we want mercy to triumph over judgment. And all atmospheres around us, all spheres of influence around us, Lord, mercy triumphing over judgment, God. Oh, let it just fall. Lord, we're running ourselves today into the, the very holy of holies. Lord, to the mercy seat. Lord, where we need mercy today. We need mercy to break this religious mindset, Lord God. We come in for that to be broken over us, Lord God. Break it. Break it. We're in the mercy seat. We're in that place right now. Just break it, God. Break it, Lord. Break it, God. So I just want to say there's anybody here today that has never allowed the blood of Jesus, those mercy drops to come and cover you. Oh, and give you mercy, give you the ability, Lord, to do what you can't do for yourself. I want to call you up right now. Those, it's a brand new day. There's mercy here for you. There's mercy here for you to receive Christ, to really surrender yourself, and He does the rest. He comes in and does the rest. Oh, as Paul said about the Jew and the Gentile, we're all objects of mercy. And he stopped and says, oh, who can believe this? All things come from him, through him, and back to him. We're all objects of mercy. So I encourage you today, if you've never made that decision to surrender your heart to Christ, that you would do that today. If we could get the ministry team up. Oh, yeah. I just say, come, let someone pray. It's the best, oh, to, be, to no longer be a vessel of wrath, 
but a vessel of mercy. Oh. Thank you, Lord.